Hello, I'm so glad you joined us today for uh, another episode of Love Them Anyway. This is the third and final episode, uh, They Hurt You, Love Them Anyway. You've joined us in what is our mission, to help people from wherever they are, take steps from wherever they are, to where God wants them to be. And these steps that we're talking about today are perhaps some of the most difficult steps people face. When they feel hurt by another person, and Jesus calls us to love them anyway. Uh, it is interesting that this time, that's an experience that's common. It's common all across the globe. People are tense and people are struggling and it spills over. And uh, I'm hearing about this in the workplaces. I'm hearing about this in our church. I'm hearing about it in other relationships. It's tense. And so this is a rather important message an important set of steps that we need to learn how to master if we're to follow Jesus. And yet, it's a learning curve that is not just a matter of trying harder. I've never been able to pull it off to love people by trying harder. One of the best ways, perhaps, to get into uh, this uh, is to maybe start in a frame of reference that's not quite our own, to get a hold of how this might work. And so I found a story. It's a story of a Palestinian pastor living in Israel. It comes from a magazine. It's a fall 2005 issue of Trinity Magazine. Uh, the article was called, When Love is Impossible. I've uh, drawn out some excerpts of the narrative of the story that takes place of uh, this college professor by the name of Johanna Katanenko. Katanenko? I'm going to obliterate his name in pronunciation because I've never heard his name pronounced. So let me just read uh, pieces of this story, uh, both the narrative as well as some of his own words. He was a pastor of a small church in, uh, in the Israeli city of Jerusalem. So imagine, the, imagine just that, the tenseness of the scene. He's a Palestinian in Israel. <laughs> He's a, a Jesus follower to boot. That is tense in that situation. He faced a wide variety of persecution. One of the most dangerous forms of harassment came from the Israeli soldiers who patrolled the city. They were looking for potential terrorists. These soldiers routinely imposed spontaneous curfews on Palestinians and even had the legal right to shoot at a Palestinian if he or she did not respond quickly enough to their summons. Now, let me then uh, shift to uh, Johanna's uh, own words when he says this. Jesus' command to love my enemy seemed impossible. I was living in a culture that promoted hatred. And the circumstances fed this hate on a daily basis through the newspapers, television, media, neighbors, everything. And yet Jesus' command was clear and unchanging. Now those are his words. Totally different context, different time than we are living in. But boy, I can relate, can you? We live in a culture that promotes hatred the circumstances, the media, everything. And yet, Jesus' command is clear and unchanging. 
His words continue. Loving my neighbor based on determination and feeling did not work. I did not feel love. Fear and anger canceled all my efforts. Let me add to that. His anger was as a result of the hurt, so much hurt. And we're talking about they hurt you. Love them anyway. Here are some more of his words. As I confessed to God my inability to love, I realized something significant. The radical love Jesus commanded is not an emotion, but a decision. Let me read that again. This is his words. The radical love Jesus commanded is not an emotion, but a decision. I decided to share the gospel message with the soldiers on the street. So here's what happened. He had a new resolution. He began to carry copies of a flyer with him written in Hebrew and in English with a quotation out of Isaiah 53. And the flyer was entitled, Real Love. Every time a soldier stopped him, he would pull out his, uh, the ID that they requested, his ID card, and then he would also pull out a flyer and hand the flyer and the ID card to the soldier. Because the quote came from the Hebrew scriptures, the soldier usually asked him about it before letting him go. So he, he kept this habit going for some time. And here's what he said about it. These are his words now. After several months of this, I noticed my feelings toward the soldiers had changed. I started praying, Lord, let them stop me so that I can share with them the love of Jesus. So those are just excerpts of that story. As he continues in a very tense place to live in those tensions and learn how to love people who disagree with him, learn how to love people who oppose him, learn how to love people who hurt him. And he says, it's a decision. It isn't based on feelings. I'd like to follow up that story with just a quote that I put together, several familiar quotes you've heard from me before. Hurt people hurt people. Loved people love people. What defines you? So are you defined by your hurts so much that you cannot love the people that hurt you? Or are you defined, defined by your love so much that you're able to be consistent with that love, even with your enemies, even with those who disagree with you, oppose you, and hurt you. Now that's a, a huge, huge uh, set of questions there. What defines you? I'm reminding, reminded of what Paul says in the first line of Romans chapter eight. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. People who cannot love are usually defined by their hurt and they feel condemned by others, judged by others, hurt by others, opposed by others, and they react in kind. And Paul is saying, we don't need to live there. There is no condemnation for us. We've been set free from that. We've been loved so much. We can be defined by that love. It's a completely different path. I want to remind you of, a, of the visual from the past week that I shared. Um, 
about the sheep that fell over the edge of the cliff. They're stuck on an outcropping. It's kind of a visual description of what it feels like where we live today. Life before COVID uh, was on the cliff top and we kind of fell down into this outcropping where we can't figure out how to get back up to where the green pastures were on the top side and we can't figure out how to find pathways down to the bottom to the green pastures on the bottom. It just seemed like everything has changed. We're stuck on the outcropping and we use the illustration of the good shepherd who comes to free his sheep from that situation. And even as he comes to free his sheep, um, the good shepherd passage out of Psalm 23 comes to mind. Out of verse three, I'll remind you again, we looked at this before. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And although that is what he does, in the middle of our hurt, if we're not careful, we act like sheep. We bleat at him, we bleat at others, we back up and we feel cornered because of our hurt, because of our fear, because of our confusion. And quite frankly, we frequently spill over with those emotions and bite back, hurting our shepherd. Sheep bite, but our shepherd loves us anyway. That's what Jesus showed us, came to demonstrate for us and calls us to follow in that love. Now today we're gonna enter into a lengthy passage that describes what that looks like to follow in that love. What does it look like to follow Jesus loving our enemies? What does it look like to follow Jesus when we're hurt? And Romans 12, nine through 20, has a lot of different very practical descriptors. Rather than get sidetracked trying to interpret this passage, there's so much that is clear that doesn't have to be interpreted. That's where I want us to focus. I think you're given opportunity to focus more deeply in your small groups and if you use our YouVersion event uh, uh, this, th at this time, you can grab a hold of that, see those questions. There's multiple ways to get a hold of those questions. But for right now, let's just read the passage. Romans 12, nine through 20. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So many of you are clinging to these kinds of truths and living them out during this difficult time. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Sharing with others who are in need. I thank you for that. In verse 14 we read, Bless those who persecute you, Bless and do not curse. Boy, that, that's a pathway that suddenly looks steep. Really, really difficult. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. But be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited, 
Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. We talked about a lot of the controversies that polarize our community today. How helpful these words are to address that. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. So I think at this point, I just want to summarize that whole passage with our title, They Hurt You, Love Them Anyway. Point number one. Point number one is love must be sincere. It's a direct quote from the passage we just read. It's how that passage that we just read begins in verse nine. Word for word, love must be sincere. Now, if you have access to those small group study questions, question number six is an interesting one. Why is it that if we were asked to think about our top three wishes, that none of these commands show up on our wish lists? And then it's followed up by a harder question. Whom do you need to love and bless this week even though he or she hurts you? Sometimes our hearts aren't bent towards the wishes that are the wishes that God has for our lives. What we'd rather ask, love them anyway? Seriously? How in the world do you do that? That's where our hearts are more honest. How is that even possible is where we think. So we need to talk about this. Love must be sincere. What is sincerity? And is it possible to love our enemy sincerely? Really? Seriously? Can we do that? So we need to talk about sincerity. Another word for sincerity is authenticity or genuinely. Can we love somebody authentically who has hurt us? Can we love someone genuinely who has hurt us? So I'm going to put a screen, uh, I mean a question on the screen. Question, are you being more authentic when you are being consistent with your emotions or are you being more authentic when you are consistent with your beliefs? Now to get at that question a little bit uh, more specifically, maybe uh, we could put it this way. Which is, which is true authenticity? That you go to a restaurant, you're really disappointed with the service, and the waiter is let you down in some very significant ways, and you, you could really highlight these, and your emotions want to highlight these, and you just spill over and uh, let the waiter know how he let you down. You're being true to your emotions. Is that authentic? Is that genuine to who you are? Or is genuine to who you are, although this waiter lets you down, instead of spilling over and being unkind, because 
What you believe is that you are the light of the world and loving that waiter is part of your responsibility and you want to do what's best for that waiter and you don't know what's going on in that waiter's life. You decide to bless the waiter instead of curse the waiter. Bless the waiter instead of just let the waiter know how many ways he let you down. Which person is being more genuine, more authentic, more sincere? The person who is sincere and cohesive with their emotions or sincere or cohesive with what they believe about themselves. I think part of what we're getting at is who are you really? And so on the screen is a, that question, who am I really? The latest research finds that many people report authenticity when they express compassion toward others or are living for something bigger than themselves. And so the big idea of the person who wants to be kind always and shine their light because they're honoring God in whatever they do, when they're more consistent with that bigger than, bigger than themselves belief, they feel more authentic. And this is true for people who aren't even believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. When they're living according to something bigger than themselves, they feel more fulfilled, more significant, that they're able to live more authentically is what the research bears out. I believe that Jesus taught us that our truest authenticity is only found when we are free, set free, to become all that God intended us to be. See, God created us with a purpose. God created us in his image. And we've been all tripped up by sin, bound up and in bondage to our own sin in such a way that our emotions govern us, our sin governs us, and we don't even know which desires are authentic desires and which kingdom they belong to. That's something Jesus can set us free from as he teaches us and frees us from our sin and bondage to become all that God intends us to be. I've discovered that I'm most feeling like my sincere self when I'm at peace with myself because I'm at peace with God. When my everyday faith includes a humbling of myself, a denial of myself, an asking from God to cleanse me of my sinful self and renew me in my new created self in Jesus Christ. That's when I feel most genuine, most authentic, most free to be me. And that's what we're talking about. Love must be sincere. Point number two. We are most genuine when we follow Jesus. What does that look like? I wanna answer that slightly differently than we answered it last week. Um, and we did answer some of those tough questions last week. But I wanna answer it with the gospel according to Jesus. We find the simplest form of this at the early part of the gospel of Mark when we read these words in Mark 1, 14 through 18. 
After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. Now, good news is gospel, euangelion, good news, good evangelism, good proclamation. He was proclaiming the good news. Now, what's really interesting here is we actually hear the words of what he was proclaiming next, which is how he proclaimed the gospel. This is the good news he proclaimed. Verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Now, you need to understand the whole context. He's, this, these are like uh, hitting a a prophecy button for all Jewish people because they've been waiting for the kingdom of God to come near, waiting for the anointed Christ to finally show up, to restore everything. The Christ means, of course, the king, the king to come, to reestablish them as a nation and as a kingdom in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is declaring it. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. He hasn't precisely explained that the reason why it's come near is he is here and he is the king. That's what the rest of the gospel is a slowly unveiling. But he continues in this proclamation after he says the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. A lot of people don't think of repent and believe the good news as good news. Repent sounds like such a religious term for kind of pointing your finger at somebody. But repent means the king is here. Turn to him. Turn away from running your own kingdom, doing your own thing, ignoring the king. The fact that he's here is calling us to turn to him and align with his kingdom. And it includes believe. Repent and believe the good news. If you believe he's the king, of course you're going to turn. He's the king in the kingdom of God. That means serving him instead of our own will, serving his will instead of our will. Repent and believe the good news. And it is good news. The king is here. Now, Mark continues with a little change of scene, but he's putting the whole gospel together and how he's put these words together in such close proximity. Verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Now, just the way Mark brings this together in such close proximity is showing how this is natural to the proclamation. There's a turning to, a believing, and a response that means follow him. He's the king. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So I want to just take that and summarize it rather quickly on the screen. The gospel in four points, Jesus is king, inviting you into his kingdom. Two, repent. That means you have to acknowledge there's a change of orientation in your worldview and thinking. Instead of you being in charge of your life and everything about your life, turn. He's king. He's in charge. Submit to his will instead of running your own will and doing your own thing, whatever is right in your own eyes. 
what he commands and rules is good, turn and repent and believe that it is good. That believing is a trusting and it's an allegiance with the king. And then he says, believe it, it's good news. And the fourth thing he says is, follow me, follow Jesus. That's the gospel according to Jesus. I'm learning now through Jesus how to offload my fears in an everyday faith, in an everyday way, offloading my fears, in an everyday way, offloading my hurts, in an everyday faith, downloading his grace, downloading the mercy and grace I need to meet me with God's resources in my time of need. So that daily following is offloading and downloading. And this is helping me to learn how to be more genuine in my following and allegiance to the king. Point number three. So let me just review before we go into three. Love must be sincere. We are most genuine when we follow Jesus. And point number three, but how do you follow this difficult path? I know it sounds like I'm saying it in many different ways, and I wanna say it in another way. I've given you the gospel according to Jesus. Now I wanna give you the gospel in its central kernel that Jesus couldn't explain yet how this is going to take place, and Paul articulates it now that Jesus has accomplished it. And we find this in 1 Corinthians 15, one through four. Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. So we did repent, we did believe, we did turn and we did follow Jesus, we received it, but now he's making sure we understand on what basis this is made possible. This is the gospel, verse two. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So let me just quickly again explain with clarity the gospel. Jesus is king. We need to repent and believe he's king. We need to follow him. But the way this works is he died on the cross so that we could be crucified with him on the cross and our old life would be buried with him. Now that death we carry with us so that there's a continual downloading of his goodness in the resurrection that he provides for us. We download his death in a sense by saying, that old part of me is crucified. I need to crucify it again today. I need to humble myself again today. I need to confess it again today and be washed clean today because that's been buried with Jesus. And I need to receive his resurrection life. And what is that resurrection life? It is a resurrection that creates in us a new creation. By the power of the Holy Spirit who resurrected Jesus and resurrects us. We live in that resurrection by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So the answer, how do you follow this difficult path of loving those who hurt us? We can't do it on our own. It's a decision, but it's a decision that's empowered by the good news. The Holy Spirit helps us through a power inside of us as we download a denial of self and we, I mean, we, we get rid of our selfish tendency and we confess our selfish ten tendency and we download the Spirit's power in our lives to be able to do this thing where we love our enemy through a, a love that's not our own, a power that's outside of our ability. It's a supernatural love. I put all this together in uh, what is the gospel? A quote that's kind of lengthy. If you were here in person, I'd have you say this out loud with me. If you'd like to do that while you're at your screen, say it out loud. There's power in just declaring these truths or listen, whatever you feel most comfortable doing. I'll be reading it here. What is the gospel? The gospel is this. The kingdom of God has come through Jesus of Nazareth. He is Christ the King, God's one and only Son, he died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and was resurrected on the third day, according to the scriptures. In his great love and by his amazing grace, God our Father saves everyone who repents of their sin, believes the gospel, and follows Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. When King Jesus returns on the last day, the great judgment, the, the great day of judgment, everyone who followed him will enter the eternal kingdom of God. We are in the kingdom now. He's shaping in us the reigning, ruling kingdom now, even in our lives. He has spoken order to our disordered lives, and as we yield to everything he commands, by the power of the Spirit we are yielding, and we're following him more and more to order and beauty and love flow out of our lives. This is good news. This is the gospel. So we're going to finish this very tough path question. They hurt us. Love them anyway. How do we do that? We're going to look at the same quote we finished with last week. It reads like this. Love them anyway is not impossible. This is imperative. If we claim to be in the kingdom in allegiance to our king, we have been commanded to love them anyway, the same way he loved us anyway. Paul said, this gospel is the power of God to save everyone who believes. It's good news. And I believed it as a child, but I feel like I'm learning it afresh and anew every day. So maybe you've already believed it, but you find yourself drifting. It's time to center yourself in the good news again. Repent, believe, and follow. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are king. We thank you for inviting us into your kingdom and making it possible for us who were not fit for your kingdom to be washed clean and made fit by your victorious work. To be a part of your kingdom, to flow in your kingdom, to even experience the authority and power of your kingdom flowing through us. Lord God, raise a response from our hearts, from our dead 
calloused hearts that maybe are so used to this that we are not even hearing this and not listening to your pathway and following in your pathway, but hurting when we are hurt. Lord, you loved us when we hurt you. Help us to love those who hurt us. Help us to respond to you, even right now, to download into our lives more mercy, more grace, so that we might have that power from your Holy Spirit to follow you well, to bring glory to your name. And Lord God, if there's anybody within earshot hearing this message that has never openly confessed and repented and responded and believed that this would be the day to just talk about that, even if it's on the uh, social media platform, even responding right now, typing away, I, I need this. Tell me, tell me, how do I repent? How do I do this? How do I pray? I need this. I need this so badly in my life. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm hurting others around me. I need, I need the Savior. Just reach out. God, we thank you for the privilege that we can look to you, reach out to you, and you draw near to us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope to see you again soon. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time.